On this episode of Resi Week, we talk CD awards, software as a service, and tech as biophilic. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Rosie Week, episode 377, A Real Fountain. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matthew Scott for avnation.tv. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by two of my good friends. First, we have all the way from the UK, a very good close friend of mine, Miss Wendy Griffiths. She's the Senior Vice President of Membership and Global Development at Cedia. How you doing, Wendy? Oh, good. Thanks, Matt. It's good to be on the on your on your show. Uh, nice to see you. It's been a while. It has been a while. Someone who it hasn't been that long with, because he's here a lot, is Mr. Jeremy Gulwaki. He's the executive editor of Residential Tech Today and a good friend of the show. How are you doing, Jeremy? Doing well, Matt. Thanks for having me. Good to be back. Thanks for being here, bud. All right, let's kick this off with a story that comes to us from Jeremy's uh, publication, Residential Tech Today. And also written by Jeremy, so it's it's great. Uh, CDS Smart Home Awards submission deadline has been extended for integrators. That has been extended to May fifth uh, of this year. So you can go ahead and log in and submit your projects, uh, including ones under the new health, sustainability, and wellness categories that are there as well, as well as of course uh, integrated home uh, for mass mid luxury, uber luxury markets, etc. And there's a whole bunch of other categories in there as well. Go to the cd.net site and you can find that. Wendy, let me start with you on this. For anyone who either hasn't done this yet, and I'd argue that most integrators that do this continue or consistently probably already have submitted, but for integrators and, and members who haven't necessarily done this yet, what is the, what's the big purpose? What's the big benefit? Why would they go and, uh, you know, submit their projects for this? I think there's a number of reasons for them to get involved, Matt. Uh, first and foremost, it's to celebrate the work that they do and mm -hmm. celebrate the teams that are involved in the projects. It's a really good way to showcase the work that they do. Um, off the back of the awards entries, we actually build case studies um, we give them to the award winners and finalists so that they can use them as promotional material. But also we use them to gain some um, PR coverage and, and marketing coverage about the industry within the consumer press and the design professional press. We use the images um, to support our CPD program with the Architect and Interior Design Associations. So there's lots of opportunities for them to actually gain more awareness of themselves as a company. It hires their profile within the CDL website. And uh, it also goes towards our Member of Excellence program as well. It's mm -hmm. one of the requirements of being an advanced member. So I think there's a, a number of reasons, but one of my favorite reasons is actually giving our members an opportunity to celebrate their work and celebrate their teams. Yeah, that's a really good point. Jeremy, let me let me ask you this. Um, the, the feedback I've gotten over the years from integrators when they're looking at any award submission is that it takes a lot of time, takes some effort. If they win, obviously you have the, the great PR side of you won if you happen to not win. <laughs> you are putting some time into it. 
what is the what is the justification of putting that time in to submit for awards? I think um, that's a tough question to answer because every company has got a little different agenda or priority list. But uh, you know what Wendy said about rewarding your your people is, I think, the biggest reason. You know, it really shows that you're paying attention. You want to promote their work and kind of be proud of your company. So to me, that seems like it would be worth the time, even if they don't win, at least you're mm-hmm. showing them that you're, you're, you're interested in presenting their quality of work to the association and to the industry. Um, and, it, and it's just, it, it, it kind of gives them a pat on the back, like, Hey guys, we're going to submit for this. And we may not win this time because we've never done this before. Or it's competitive. There's a lot of really good companies out there, a little, a lot of good projects. Um, but I really love what you did on this project. Let's promote it. Um, mm-hmm. I think that goes a long way just in giving that leadership um, in that company a chance to uh, feel good with the, the employees. Um, <clears throat> for me too, it's a great way to have like kind of a milestone in the industry. You see these projects and it really gives you a sense of what is happening out there. Um, we talk about trends in the industry. Um health, sustainability, and wellness being a category here. It's been really hard for me to kind of wrap my head around the reality of that category. Does it mm-hmm. get done very often? You know, um, It's something we'd like to see happen. Uh, we talk about biophilia. We're going to talk about that later in another story. Um, but how many companies are actually doing projects where there's a health, sustainability, or wellness component? And this is a great opportunity for me as an editor to see the real projects out there. So, um, yeah. where for years it was always like, how how crazy can the home theater designs get? That's kind of changed into more of the integrated home. So, um, other than just pre- rewarding those employees, I think it's a great way to kind of t- touch base with the industry and see what's really being done on projects. Yeah, that's a really good point. All right, let's change topics for a second. This comes to us from Residential Systems, uh, software as a service, and the CI. Uh, Savant's new software as a service model is pushing a shift into the industry. Uh, They announced this back in 2001. And of course, we talked about it back then. There was a lot of news about it, uh, but it has been, you know, down the road a little bit and they have been shifting that up a little bit uh, in how it's approached. Jeremy, let me, let me start with you on this. Where do you see this going? Um, I, for one, was a little surprised that it lasted or, or that it has succeeded as well as it has, uh, and, and that uh, dealers and end users, customers seem to buy into this. Where do you see this going? Do you see this software as a service platform extending to other, uh, mainly control systems, but um, just just solutions in general? Yeah, I mean, I, I read this article with great interest. I think it's very... Um, informative. There's a lot of great information in here. It's obviously very slanted towards Savant's point of view, but um, Tony Savona wrote it, former colleague of mine, did a great job. Um, I really feel like um, there there is a a bit of um, pushback in the industry to this idea of software as a service, um, especially with the core of an integrated home, the control system. Uh, I think that from the savant side that they've done their homework they they had this 
council of all these different integrators that they worked out the kinks on this idea with changed a lot of their model of what they originally thought it should be. Um, and, and it seems like it's kind of taking hold there. It could be spin on their part. I don't have, you know, enough data from anyone that says this is really successful. I think the main thing is it's really hard to go back and implement on existing projects. Yeah. Um, and so they're really pushing it on a, on a new project by new project basis. So you can get, Hey, this is just how we do business now. And mm -hmm. the idea of it being, um, kind of nickel and diming the customer, they realize that's not going to work with high net worth, uh, clients like are typically clients in this industry. So it has to be like kind of on a three year, um, schedule yeah. for payment. And that does make sense to me. I think that they're, um, when you're talking about extended warranties and different things like that, that's kind of what you're used to, like with your car or that, whatever it is. Um, so they've, they've figured some things out. I think that our industry just kind of is scared to ask for something different than they are typically doing and service plans and all of that have been a little hit or miss. Um, I, I do hear a lot more companies, um, you know, signing on with, with a uh, hands-on service company like a parasol, mm -hmm. um, that typically is the most successful service plan that I've heard of. Um, yeah. They they really do see the value in that, and they can really, you know, put put the effort into hey, things are going to break. Do you want a quick resolution? This is how it can happen. Um, mm -hmm. With can, with software, your phone constantly needs updates and security fixes and bugs big bug fixes. That's what this is. This is basically your control system for your home. It's like your phone. It's going to need updates. Let's just make it all part of a package. I get what they're trying to do there. I just think it's, it's probably the hardest thing to do through the dealers, you know, and through existing clients who are used to a certain way. That's true. Wendy, when, when you look at this and, and I want to preface this question with the assumption that the industry moves in this direction. And that we, we start either, you know, leasing equipment or doing software as a service or even hardware as a service. But if we go down that vein as a, as an industry, and this becomes, uh, successful with other manufacturers and other integrators as well, will that leave integrators that don't jump on board behind? Will, will, will that does that have the potential to phase essentially integration firms out? I don't think it's going to necessarily phase them out. There's still the need for them to get products to work together, to get solutions that suit a client's needs. I think what we have to recognize is as consumers, we've turned towards subscription models for so much that we do. I mean, we look at food, you look at the, the music um, that we ingest these days, but even things like toilet paper, it's all subscription models. So um, consumers are certainly going down that route. And I think if as an industry, we've been pushing the maintenance model side of things, that's subscription based. So I think if we're not looking at how consumers are changing their lifestyle and adapting to that, we are going to be left behind as an industry. So I think that all has to be taken into consideration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. All right, let's change topics for a second. This comes to us from CE Pro and Nick Bover. Um, it's a it's a wonderful piece on why technology doesn't feature more in biophilic design. 
uh, read through the article. Nick covers a lot of really good points where essentially noting that aside from lighting control, we still haven't figured out where the technology fits into biophilic design uh, as far as, you know, natural audio, natural light, uh, natural scent, et cetera. Um, Wendy, let me, let me start with you on this. I, I'm very bearish on this market collectively, not on the market as a whole for itself, but how it fits into the tech space. And the reason at the core, I've been trying to figure out why I've been so negative towards this. And at the core, I think he highlights the reason for that in kind of the first main sentence where he's talking about plenty of the studies that are out highlight the value of natural light, natural audio, and natural scent. And he prefaces it with the fact that he loves being outdoors, camping, and hiking. I also love being outdoors and being in the woods. And when I'm out in the woods, I don't want any tech with me. I want to go listen to the birds in the stinking trees or listen to the wind rush, you know, rush through the, like, I want to smell the pine trees. I don't want, I don't want tech. That's why I'm out in the woods is because I'm trying to get away from all the tech that we have. Is the hardest thing about implementing tech into this field the fact that it's technology? <laughs> Potentially, they are definitely, they, they feel like they're in <laughs> conflict with each other. There's no denying that. I think one of the things that you have to bear in mind is the luxury you have of living where you live and you've got all this wonderful nature around you. You look at some of these built up high rises and especially off the back of COVID, look at places like China and, and places that have got high populations they don't necessarily have that luxury. So globally, I think there's some great opportunities. Um, I think off the back of the challenging couple of years that everyone's had, certainly people are putting their health, mental well-being, et cetera, higher in the priority of their families. So people are just looking for solutions. And ultimately, that's what our members and, and customer installers provide is solutions. And ideally, the solutions they should be providing shouldn't be tech-centric from a consumer and user perspective. Yeah, that's very good. Jeremy, excluding my point about how, you know, they, they those ideas do seem to be in conflict, is the other aspect that lighting as a technology didn't have far to go to get into circadian rhythm and kind of environmental lighting. Um but all the other tech really doesn't ex exist and it really doesn't exist mainstream. You know, if you look back a couple of years ago, it didn't exist at all. Um, is that the, is that potentially the other holdback is that the tech just isn't there yet? Well, I think if you back it up a little bit, the reason for the lighting was to correct a problem that the lighting wasn't didn't have the right feeling because it's led and led didn't feel natural. Like, mm -hmm. um, we had, uh, you know, we, we'd kind of gotten used to, um, what felt like firelight candlelight, you know, that sort of quality of light. And when you go to this led lighting, it just has the 
color index is different, you know, and um, you start learning, well, what, what, what's weird about it? Why don't I like it? And it's like, it doesn't really replicate natural firelight or sunlight. So you, you correct it by doing all this tuning and that kind of opens up this biophilia kind of conversation and you want to take it further. Our industry is trying to make it more holistic. Mm-hmm. And then you, you do have, you know, kind of limitations of what, what else can you do? Creating artificial smells that sort of mimic the outdoors. That's not an easy thing to accomplish. I mean, it always is going to smell like perfume. It's not, it's not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's, a, there's a ride uh, at, at Disney that it's called Soren and you go through the world and you, you go over like the Savannah and Africa and that sort of thing. And you'll hit a certain point and it blasts you with these, these smells. And it's like the smell of cut grass or it's the smell mm-hmm. of, um, oddly you're like going through India. I'm not sure what that was like. It's some kind of a, uh, you know, herbal smell, but then, um, audio you know as far as creating like a nature sound i i can see where you could do a little bit of that um in kind of a meditation room but it reminds me of being in um like a massage therapy table where you're hearing all these like gurgling streams and things and you can just it can get a little overwhelming you know it mm-hmm. it it, do, it doesn't quite bring in the natural thing where you're not really solving something there i do get wendy's point though i think that there's there's a very good opportunity where you are in a metropolitan area you're in a high rise there's no way you've got access to the real nature thing so let's try to do the best we can to recreate it i just think it's very challenging on those two categories that are mentioned in this article really good article but to get to like smell and to audio um not as easy as fixing the lighting and making it look more like what you're used to from incandescent Sorry, can I can I ask a question? I'd I'd like Jeremy's thoughts around this. When you talk about that, how do you think the VR side of things fits into that in terms of adding to those senses from a biophilia perspective? I mean, the VR with the headset, I think, is very challenging just because the headset really it, it's so overwhelming on your face that to to have it create something that feels natural, you really have to be comfortable with that. And I think a lot of people at first are not, not comfortable with the weight of the headset and knowing that you've got this thing over your face and your eyes. I think that, um, that you could definitely create a virtual experience and people are really into that, um, from a, especially on a gaming situation. Um, I just think it'd be really hard to create something that feels like nature with a gaming headset on, or, you know, a virtual reality headset, but, but it, it's a, it's a way to get there. Um, I just don't I always feel like what what one of these things is going to make me have a headache as opposed to make me feel better. And I think that a VR headset's going to give me a headache. Um I think that certain smells are going to trigger <laughs> I'm migraine prone so it, that's where it comes from. Um bad lighting, bad smell, bad you know audio audio is probably the least, you know, dangerous but mm-hmm. this other two man, it's so easy just to go the wrong way and create something that's less appealing rather than more appealing, you know, from a sense standpoint. I do remember talking to a gentleman at um, a show once whose mother suffered with dementia and he was looking specifically about the lighting colours. And I know we've we've gone beyond lighting now and talking about other things, but he's talking about things that reminded her, even smells of the 70s, 
uh, when she was at a really good period in her life, how it enhanced her well-being. So, okay, um, yeah, yeah, I think that, that, that's a really cool example. Yeah, I mean, there, there, for sure, are better ways to do things. And uh, I guess a lot of times you answer these questions based on personal experience, and there, that's an experience that I didn't really realize was something that could could work. And I, I agree with it. There's there's a good opportunity there for that sort of thing for sure. Well, and there are so many. There are large commercial projects like Disney that you mentioned, Jeremy, but also there's a there's a handful of retail stores that have curated scents in them. And when you yeah. walk into that store, there it doesn't matter where you go to that store, it will smell identical. Uh, there are a handful of, uh, I believe the Ritz has one as well. Um, there's a handful of hotels where, same thing, you walk into the lobby of that hotel it has a signature scent and well, they are able to accomplish that on the commercial level. I've yet to see that play out effectively in the residential space. And again, also at a cost that even Uber luxury projects would deal with or, or would accommodate. And I think that's the, that's the flip side of, you know, if you take it all the way back, the scent is literally the the scented candle that you put that smells like balsam fir, which is the scent you should have if you are buying a scented candle. It should smell like fir. Um. Yeah, I mean, I th- <laughs> I think that when you're trying to recreate natural smells, it's really it's really challenging. But like like that signature smell, that's a whole other thing. You don't know what you're trying to mimic there. It's just someone's well, and creation. Typically, they right? are they are pretty. Um, I want to say the Ritz one is uh, like sandalwood and vanilla. Oh, okay. Some some version of that. Uh, there's a couple of retail stores that have other things, um, but notwithstanding, you know, again, they're not. It, it's not something weird. It's it, it is a natural type scent, but it's again, it, it's curated for that. And I think that's the the hard thing with it in the residential spaces. You know, we're we're not there yet, and it's 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 a far cry from you know the scented candle. Or the the Glade plugin <laughs> that right. you put in the wall; those are not what you want. I think like a spa type of experience or a massage, you know, place. That's where you can kind of see a really high end place getting it right. And I think mm-hmm. that maybe where we're going with this, it's less about yeah. biophilia, more more just creating an environment that is relaxing. And I guess that is biophilia, but. Um, yeah, that, that spa-like environment, that, that can be done pretty well with flowing water, literally flowing water. Like I, I think if you're trying to create it with audio, sometimes that's challenging, but if you literally have a fountain, that's the real sound, you know? Yeah. All right, let's wrap it there. Thank you both so much for joining us. Wendy, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Cedia, where can they do that? Uh, my email is wgriffiths at cedia.org. And if uh, anyone wants to know more about the awards, reach out to me or cedia.net forward slash awards. Just a reminder, the deadline is the 5th of May, so it's coming up pretty soon. But there's a great toolkit on the cedia.net website that gives you all the insight you need in order to enter. And and you guys have done a fantastic job of making that process a whole lot easier the last couple of years. So that's Thank you. Yeah, we've definitely streamlined it. <laughs> Jeremy, uh, if people want to connect with you, learn more about residential tech today, get the magazine, get the podcast, where do they do that? 
Yeah, our website's restechtoday.com, and there are ways that you can subscribe to the print or digital magazine and to our um, weekly podcast, um, Residential Tech Talk. So appreciate the opportunity to talk today. Really great seeing you guys. Uh, great to have you both. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott and most other social platforms. But more importantly, please visit aviation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week.